0: The Guardian.
1: Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis
2: Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates.
1: This week we get a guided tour of the Beardytron 500, Beardy Man's robotic alter ego. Peepa Feeders plays us this week as it sounded in 1981. Plus, there's tracks from Mayor Hawthorne, These New Puritans and Kanye West in Singles Club.
2: All here on Music Weekly from The Guardian.
1: We're joined this week by the uh, reliably amazing Dorian Linsky. Hello, hi Les. Thank you for coming in again. Um, what's the news? What's been happening? Come on, people. News stories.
2: I've been in New York. Yes, I wasn't here last week. Of course, yes.
1: We well, very, very much missed you. Were. How was New York? Did Thank you. Do
2: you. It? it was amazing. Brilliant. There was an incredible lecture um, with Questlove that he did, where he was discussing. Uh, the Soulquarians are self-saboteurs Which was very interesting Intriguing um, And he's gearing up for the new D'Angelo album Which is apparently very much on its way Which is very exciting He's playing
1: Lovebox, D'Angelo, isn't he? Yeah, apparently And he looks him. good again He well. looks great He, he mm. came and uh, had one of them uh, things on the tube Where it's like a moving, you know, advert for oh. And D'Angelo, I was like, hi
3: He's that hot guy
0: are <laughs> you doing, I D'Angelo? I <laughs> yep.
3: Weirdly, I was just in New York Interviewing Questlove <gasps> How bizarre I know Maybe. Wow, what's that know. made of? It's an album he's doing with Elvis Costello. And he's got like, he told me he had, at one point last year, he had 12 jobs. Wow. He had 12 different jobs. There's just no, I couldn't quite understand how his life worked. Yeah. Because he's got this Fallon gig. So I went to see, I was in the studio audience for Jimmy yeah, Fallon. Yeah, the, the, the house band. Yeah, on. so I got to see them them do their thing. Which is kind of amazing because they're not just sort of playing in the background, they are like part of the show. And it right. Is. It's sort of the four puffs and the piano of uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Jimmy Fallon show. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> uh, and then they play with the guests. Mm-hmm. And this, the guest was Jay Cole, who I could take or leave. But mm-hmm. then I, spo- I met. Who's f-
1: Jay Cole? He's a rapper. Uh, he's an okay,
3: he? okay rapper, RB right. singer. Well. He's good. M. J. Cole, also. But um, <laughs> no. And anyway, I spoke to a friend who had gone see Fallon when Prince played. And Prince did this thing where he borrowed the guitar from the guitarist of the Roots and, in a very princely manner at the end of the song, smashed the guitar. Wow. And apparently the, the guitarist of the Roots was like, on the one hand, I love this guitar and I'm very, very angry. <laughs> and on the other hand, it's Prince. Mm. And you could just imagine the scenario, for example, if a careless driver mm-hmm. sort of smacked into your wing mirror and you got out you were really, really angry. Yeah. But it was Prince yeah you'd be like yeah cross about the ring mirror yeah. but it's prince so like so what do you do i don't them. know how it resol- i don't know how it resolved itself i think he, i think he might have had to suck it up really yeah wow. so but j cole was a gentleman and didn't smash anybody I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: pleased to hear that has there been any music actual music news this week has there been any uh, british music news not that there's anything wrong with music news from the other side of the world of course um the bdi single Oh, it into the chart at number 112.
3: Oh, no. No. (laughs) Oh,
2: God, shame.
3: 112. The BDI album. It's all right. Is really, well, I think it's an amazing production job. It's sort Mm. of like five out of five for Dave Saitek and not so much for the songs. They're better than... But they are better. And it's kind of, um, it just seems to be like a year, it's sort of proving that this year is kind of an amazing one for bands that you thought you would never hear anything good from again. Absolutely, doing well It's like that. Even BDI can pull out Up I mean, their game a bit. The opening track is amazing. Is it? Yeah. Which was the opening track? Heard it. The one with the the guy from Phone Jack. Oh doing yes, this yes, yes, Kind yes, of yes, like so sorry, French yeah, revolutionary right. rhetoric yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like, you know, I think any year in which BDI can actually surprise you in a good I way. I don't understand.
1: I really don't get what's happened
3: to BDI's fan base because. When did all these
1: Oasis fans suddenly become really discerning about what they're... You know, it's like, I bought Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, but I'm not buying this, you know I mean? It's like, you've been buying crap records for the last 10 years, mate. You know, it's like, I didn't think the last BDIM was any worse than the preceding two Oasis records. And this one's probably a bit better. And yet nobody seemed interested. It's, it's very odd.
3: Well, there's a great bit on, on the BDIM, you can tell that basically, and they've said this in interviews, that... All the really genuinely unexpected bits, the bits where it kind of goes into sort of weird space rock and sort mm. of ambient hum and strange samples, is basically Dave of course going, try this. And you can tell the bits of kind of far-out psychedelic weirdness that are Liam Gallagher's idea, mm. because basically it involves backwards guitars yeah. and sounding like the White Album. Right. There's always that-, that, <laughs> that's, that is his psychedelic. It's just, I'm going to blow everyone's minds by sounding like Deer Like the Beatles, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Amazing new idea, lads, lads. Um, I always used to like it when uh, in the, on the latter... Latter? latter, What happened to me? Latter Oasis albums, Latter Day Oasis albums, uh, you'd get Gems' psychedelic track, <laughs> which you would signify by having a sitar
0: going...
1: <laughs> 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 you know, it's like Cool in the Caftan by B.A. Robertson or something. Paris
2: Hilton was signed to Cash Money Records, wasn't she? Well, she? Was she? That's Did amazing. Oh, story? yes, no, because
1: people were saying, yes, absolutely, I discovered mm. that my review... Of the uh, last Paris Hilton album, right. which I culminated, uh, I, I believe, I, I, the culmination of this review was I suggested that uh, when you listened to this record, you felt that uh, civilization as we know it is doomed, and it's going to start raining brimstone from the sky any minute. Mm-hmm. Somehow they managed to fill it, that review, so it looks like I've said something approving about it on a, wiki- <laughs> on the, on a Wikipedia page. Somebody forwarded it, has got a quote from me on it, it's like, um, i, 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 I Anybody out there thinking? I mean, in the deeply unlikely event that anybody out there is thinking. Oh, I'll buy the Paris Hilton first. Paris, <laughs> Alexis Petridis seemed to recommend it. I did. I did not do that. It was, it was a bad thing. Um, uh,
2: just unrelated, but I was at din- Ninja Tune last week, and they used your quote that you used about the uh, AA. Blur track that you bought in the week before last Did they? about uh, driving to Wicks or something, or and uh, listening to it in the car.
1: What have they put that on a poster?
2: They're, I think they put it in the press release. Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it it was on a poster. I was driving to Wicks <laughs> with my kids. <laughs> mm. so the way that all my brilliant pop anecdotes begin these days. Um, we'll move on. <laughs> Pete Feeder's is among us once more, rustling through his comprehensive back catalogue of pop papers. This week, he returns to the early eighties and learns a little too much about Toya. Is that possible? Is it possible to learn too much about Toya? Let's find out.
4: I've got a copy of Record Mirror in front of me from May the 30th, 1981. It cost 30 pence, and there's a bad drawing of Stevie Wonder on the cover. Presumably they didn't allow them to photograph him. And it's Stevie Wonder exclusive. More of that later. In this week's news in Record Mirror, there's a the, the lead story is Zepp slash Yes album question mark Apparently, I didn't know this until I saw this, but apparently there was a much uh, rumored, well more than rumored, a sort of promised collaborative album between Led Zeppelin and Yes, the Zep Yes combination liner. Should release an album by late summer. And uh, the lineup of the band will be Robert Plant, Chris Squire, Alan White, and Jimmy Page. And together they've been rehearsing and recording at Page's studio in Berkshire. But a name for the new lineup still has not been decided. How about, how about Led Yeppelin? That'd be my, my uh, vote. In other news, Blondie I love saying in other news uh, Blondie no to split shock uh, Blondie to stay together despite rumours of a split And that comes from Debbie Harry herself Uh, The 35 year old star Who has dyed her hair blue According to reports Has been working on a solo album With Chic Mentors, Niall Rogers and Bernard Edwards Uh, That album was of course Cuckoo Which no one liked But um, maybe it sounds good now Now that we love everything that Niall Rogers has ever done Maybe it's dated very well Jumpin' Joe. Joe Jackson is returning with a brand new band following the split some months ago of his own lineup. The new album is called Jumpin' Jive and it would have been an extreme shock. That's probably why it didn't do very well because he was playing sort of jump jive and jazz uh, inspired by people like Cab Calloway, Louis Jordan and other Hepcats and immediately put a skidding stop to uh, the short run of pop hits which really amounted to two songs. It's different for girls and is she really going out with it? on to stevie wonder who is the the cover star and i think hotter than july is about to come out i'm not sure it's around about that time anyway uh, it's a rare interview. this is one of those conference interviews where a few journalists are sort of ushered into a room and they all have a crack at asking questions to talent. first line is uh, when stevie wonder walks into a room you know it this is the most reverential <laughs> interview i've ever read in my life actually His presence sparks off alternate surges of warmth, respect, awe and, most strongly, love within those who stand by. Despite the frail appearance, there is an indefinable feeling of strength, a glow of positiveness that invites you to devour him. You feel you are there to just skim off any utterances and treat them with the same respect that you would give to discovering the Ten Commandments. Well, that's quite a good write-up, isn't it? There's a section called Newsbeat now. Henry Padavani, a name that police fans may remember as the uh, sort of founding member of the police before Sting made them famous, is now fronting a new band, the Flying Padovanis, for whom there are high hopes. They boast three saxophonists and an ex-UK sub in their ranks. I think, without having heard their music, I can guess why they didn't go on to greater things. Although I guess that's no more implausible than next teacher called Gordon uh, bleaching his hair and singing in a Jamaican accent. Roxanne,
5: you don't have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to to the
4: night. Reggae Star Dillinger due over shortly for gigs, claims that when in England he has to set out an hour early for appointments, since the sight of him driving his Mercedes is guaranteed to make the average British Bobby uh, dive for his notebook and his siren. Uh, Bill Wyman is to record a solo single apparently in French. It's kind of half true because CC's Just Wee Rockstar was uh, had a French title. Stingers won an Ivan Novello Award, and uh, he's in his acceptance speech. He says, I would like to thank the Academy for this award and my son for writing the lyrics. He's four years old. I think. presume that's. And there's a, a very good interview here with, um, uh, I guess, probably the most famous uh, artist on a, a still a very new Scottish record label, the indie, now legendary indie label Postcard, and uh, Edwin is interviewed. It's really a, a brief history of the label up until that point. Falling and Laughing, the first single on Postcard, which is now, I guess, hailed as a wonderful, wonderful song, a perfect start to... Orange juice is back. Cut along. Um, Edwin says we hated the production, but we had to put it out because we had no money. So we pressed a thousand, cut our losses, and went on to the next thing. Record Mirror had used to have an agony art called Suzanne Garrett. And you could write uh, to her about anything, really. There was someone who um, bought a ball worker, for instance. Do you remember bull workers? Were the sort of thing that were the bodybuilding uh, tool, and um, and they'd, they don't appear to know how to use it. And there's Colin from Birmingham, who's fallen in love with a girl who works on the checkout desk in the supermarket along the road she's only there on saturdays and i think she's still at school so i reckon this must be a saturday job only i know her first name but nothing else about her apart from the fact that she's the most attractive girl i've seen in ages suzanne garrett says how's about pondering an old but true cliche faint heart never one fair lady uh, she goes on to suggest that he humiliates himself by asking her on a date next time they're at the checkout Anyway, uh, there are many singles out this week, uh, reviewed by the Record Mirror star writer Suni, sort of a young punk correspondent who... Um, she doesn't like Elton John's new single, Nobody Wins. This mediocre effort is decorated with maracas and a vaguely Latin-y feel, all um, somewhat akin to Copacabana. Elton sounds thoroughly miserable, and so would you if you were this washed up. Still, uh, Elton doesn't strike me as the uh, sort of person who... Obsesses over every review. so that's OK. Sideways, Eric Morgan glanced camera.
5: They must have loved each other once But that was many years ago And by the time I came along, things were already going wrong.
4: Uh, big interview with Toy Toys everywhere in 1981. People can scarcely imagine that in 33 years' time, she will be appearing on Mr. And, Celebrity Mr and Mrs with her husband, Robert Fripp. That's just too crazy and random a notion to imagine. She talks a little bit about her upbringing, which sounds pretty... This, sounds, this is the stuff of a misery memoir, really, if she ever wants to go down that road. I never had the sort of relationship with my mother where I could kiss her or hug her. She didn't like it. My dad was a complete nutter. Here my brother and sister used to get me drunk and watch me do stupid things. I went to a very snotty private school full of alcoholics where I had my own gin supply. I'd been kept down for a year and a half when I was 13 because I couldn't read properly. I was in a class of people less mature than me and my old mates wouldn't talk to me because I was the imbecile. I wonder if her parents read that interview. Extra news: Cat Stevens' musical instruments and equipment are being auctioned next week at Bonhams because he has obviously he has sort of renounced that life, so he won't be needing them anymore. The sale follows the singer's move into the Islamic religion, for which he undertook to give up music, although he later reneged and made a few rather decent records in latter years.
5: There's a million things to be You know that there are
4: I love the Let's page and there are a couple of uh, crackers here this week. Thanks for the excellent picture of the beautiful and talented Sheena Easton. This is from Tony, a Sheena Easton fan in Abley, Essex. It's about time you had something in your paper to make it worthwhile buying. After all, you hardly ever print anything about Sheena except when you're slagging her great records off. You'd probably jump at the chance to review them because it's a chance to have a moan about her. You have quite a lot about people like Hazel O'Connor, Toya Wilcox or the terrible Debbie Harry, so why not have a bit more on Sheena? After all, she is the best female singer going. And finally, the charts. Chart file. Um, Stand and Deliver is number one for the third week in a row, having gone in at number one. Uh, Number five, Climbing is Aussie's Dream. We're on our way to Wembley. The week's highest climber is Being With You by Smokey Robinson, which from this vantage point in the future we know will go all the way to number one. And... uh, Apparently written in the throes of crack cocaine addiction Which uh, you wouldn't really guess from that, um, the way it sounds Imagine what, he, what it would have sounded like if he wasn't on crack cocaine it would be Five beats a minute In 72, our landscape with Norman Bates The follow-up to Einstein and Gogo Which only got to about number 40 But um, largely because it had an absolutely terrifying sample um, from a Psycho let
0: them see what kind
4: of person I am. I'm not even going to swap that fly. Um, at number 36, in its 114th week in the chart, is Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell. Straight in number 15, the second highest entry, is Craftworks Computer World. And then, this is weird, the highest new entry is Bill Nelson. Who would th- Who would have thought that Bill Nelson... Uh, would go in at number seven with uh, quit dreaming and get on the beam. I had no idea he was that popular. Off
0: the
5: century,
4: time for to have fun. at number one are star sand with stars on the stars on forty five album, which is on this is second week in the chart. last week it was number twenty, so it's a very high climb for star sand. It's very odd. I go to second-hand record shops. I never see that Star Sound album. So I think everyone must have just destroyed it after they bought it, just appalled with themselves, or maybe they're even too embarrassed to give it to give it to charity shops. Star choice with Eddie Temple of uh, Temple Tudor, um, where he uh, lists his favourite records, which include Emotional Rescue by the Rolling Stones. I'd stay loyal to this group even if their next ten records are rubbish. Now that we know their next 10 records were rubbish, it'd be quite interesting to go back and ask him if he still stands by those words. Thank you for putting up with me. I'm Peeper Feeders. This has been my Parallel History of Pop using Record Mirror from May the 30th, 1981. Uh, see you next week. I hope
1: they're lucky. That was Peeper Feeders with his parallel history of pop. Now it's time for singles club. Let's go with Dorian's trap first.
5: You see it's broke, nigga race some nest that don't touch anything in the stove And it's written nigga. a race nest that come in please buy more What you want a Bentley, fur coat, a diamond chain? All you blacks want all the same thing You still only be hanging His and his followers,
1: but I'd be a that is Kanye West, New Slaves. Um, Dorian, you brought this in. Mm. Departure for Kanye West. Well, I mean, not departure in that it sounds sort of
3: balmy. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it kind of reminded me of hearing um, Love Lockdown for the first time, where it yes. felt like a genuinely different sound and odd and having nothing to do with um, really the sort of sound of hip-hop at the moment. And I really thought the the Saturday Night Live performances were amazing. That and, and an even better track called Black Skinhead, but I chose New Slaves because that seems to be the big A provocative song titles. The big one. It's going for here? I know. Oh. And this has got like uh, you know Frank Ocean coming in at the end, um, and he's been projecting on the sides of buildings, and sometimes getting stopped from projecting on the sides of buildings. Okay. It's huge. There's so some he's been trouble projecting in Houston. The performance on the sides no of projecting buildings. like the video with his huge face on the side of buildings. Wow. It was like shut down in Houston or something. Okay. okay. And, cool. Um, but no, it, this just seems, it seems to represent his fabulous lack of any sense of proportion <laughs> because mm-hmm. the lyrics are coming from somebody else and slightly edited uh, would be making a very cogent point about the, t- the sort of temptations of consumerism and uh, and why this would be a bad thing. Coming from Kenya West... Mm. Um, so peculiar the change of tack. Yeah, it's kind of like he's taken the sort of complaining about he still can't work out why he's not happy being rich. Mm. Like, he's really, really rich, and he's still just like, why am I not happy? Mm. And so in this one, he's kind of projected it into this, this sort of strange political argument where basically mm. being hounded by the paparazzi gets lumped in with the New World Order, gets lumped in with the industrial prison complex. That's hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, and it's kind of like new slaves, although the, the new slavery appears to involve buying Maybachs. Which yeah. is probably a, a vast improvement on the old slavery.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so it, it's it's kind of it's obviously it's obviously crass and incoherent, but also kind of fabulous the mm. way that he kind of any of a picks up political themes to sort of shore up his own ego where he thinks that they kind of reflect yeah. Mm. His own It's almost like, if I'm not happy, maybe it's because, you know, I'm, I'm a black man in America and there's all this sort of history. And it's, there's always that sense that he hasn't really thought things through. And that can be quite an exciting feeling when the music is this intense and raw yeah, and it's his so vocal. mediated, I think, which is, which is a good That's thing. That's it. There's That's no mediated. This, yeah. There's no sense that someone's gone, but this line doesn't really go with this line. And are you sure you want to say slaves? You know, mm. the performance is so intense and so, and so angry as opposed to sort of he's done mopey. Mm-hmm. And this is Angry. Black Skinhead either samples or sounds very much like a Marilyn Manson track. Um, and it just seems like so much rawer and harder than My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which I think took that kind of diseased opulence vibe Ooh. as far as it was going to go. Yeah. And he's actually found a way of going forward without, you know, without sort of retreating into kind of more normal sounding hip hop. He's just found this other way, and Daft Punk have done some drum programming, and they say that basically the tracks they did with him was just him screaming.
0: <laughs>
3: a, well, you know, he it has said
1: his Mrs is pregnant. We've all felt like that during, you know, our, 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 your wife's pregnancy.
3: I just felt like screaming most of the time as well. But is not it when your wife, your pregnant wife, is Kim Kardashian? Mm-hmm. It's quite something to still present yourself as this kind of like raw untamed outsider that doesn't like <laughs> celebrities. Yes, yes that's it's true. It's why that true. take that takes some
1: guts yeah, He's got a lot of moxie. Kieran, what did you make of this?
2: Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty great. I feel like yeah, sonically it's it's quite powerful because it feels yeah, it feels very different to what we've heard previously which sounded like a lot of the same Um, I mean it does sound like him in as far as essentially just an angry diatribe against the world but there's just something really odd about Kanye in the way that he executes this kind of thinking in that he doesn't sound like a tortured artist you know it's like he's trying to tap into this kind of you know oh well you know anti-capitalist and oh you know the, the kind of dominant mainstream order which is you know trying to enslave you know African Americans but the way he does it just yeah is, still sounds so glossy and so superficial and doesn't have that kind of, yeah, I'm with you, can't I just never feel like I'm with him on well, this. Well, we're
3: in this kind of sort of strange period where there is this kind of anti-capitalist, anti-consumerist message coming from very big artists. Mm. So there's this sort of awareness of, Seemingly, he's slightly aware there's a contradiction. Because um, I went to see Muse on Sunday. And they literally have at one point during this Animals, which is their big anti-Wall Street song, they literally have like a guy in a suit... It was a little bit drama, drama club, like throwing fake banknotes into the crowd before (laughs) expiring. Or going to hell Or whatever it is he does mm. And then there's a whole You know the big track About kind of um, the Endless growth is, is economically And environmentally Unsustainable mm. And you, you're still watching them They're playing Emirates stages Yeah I was going to say yes, they're not, they're not, They didn't turn up on a bicycle there's, No guess. there's a lot of There's a lot of carbon And cash mm. involved in that I, and I
1: found Kanye, it When Kanye West is here Complaining about uh, You know people wearing Alexander Wang I, I sincerely doubt He's dressed himself From TK Maxx Before he
3: You know what I mean He, he? he ain't shopping At the thrift shop With no, more no. is he <laughs> So and, and so it's kind of you know, you can read these things in, in in two ways, and one is just that it's sort of absurd and hypocritical and a bit dim. And another is like it's actually quite sort of fascinating when people explore the tension of kind of loathing what they're inside, but mm. of course not wanting to be outside that because what's what's the alternative? Absolutely, is Kanye going to become some sort of like hair shirt backpacker rapper? Mm. No, I just like
1: sort of him sounding mad,
3: <laughs> and you know, it's 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 very
1: rare. You get a hip-hop artist, I think, who both sounds like a proper live wire and is behaving in this kind of unmediated way and is making really thought-forward thinking music at the same time because normally hip-hop artists start... Or any artist starts behaving like that because their lives are going out of control and da, da 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 And it's kind of interesting to see how he's sort of trying to channel that
3: well, uh, musically. Yeah. You know what I mean? When he played London a couple of months ago, you know, it was just like watching somebody in some degree of psychological distress. Like, it was the most amazing,
2: the from that show harrowing,
3: bizarre... Performance that, really? I've, that I've ever seen. Of, I, I, I,
1: saw, I only saw him live the first time when he had the neon show. Thing. No, this that was, was
3: incredibly slick, kind of beautiful. No, this I mean, was, he did was, break
1: down. And said his mother had just died. I remember, no, this California, he
3: but. just looked like. Um, he was
2: ranting a lot, wasn't he? He was, he was like shouting a, into the crowd. Yeah, he
3: was like a. Not the night that I saw him. He didn't do so much ranting. Right. Um, but he was like a kind of, like a Bond villain. Just sort of unraveling. Wow! At the end of the movie, you know, at the end of the movie. Like, I, I can't. You know, it take me too long to describe exactly like the stage setup, but it basically made him look very alone. Mm-hmm. And all the all the people who were dressed like Bonville and henchmen were off to the side, all the musicians, and it was just him alone, kind of raging against the elements and fame and everything. And it was just, it was absolutely hypnotic and like that far away from being just awful. He's, the Roger, kinda, he's
1: the Roger Waters of rap,
3: yeah. isn't he? He's mm-hmm. like the hip hop, the rap
1: game Roger Waters. What an amazing thing to be. Anyway, let's just move on. Uh, new Slaves by Kanye West is presumably out soon, but there's all kinds of, diff- there's various different versions of it knocking around the internet. And he
3: won't right? even allow, this is his new thing, he won't allow anybody to pre-order the album because he's so sure it'll be a success. You're not even allowed to pre-order it. And the album, of course, is called Yeezus. Jesus, <laughs> Ye- Yeez- like or, experience. I
1: don't know. But you know what I mean, yes. that's going to be good, right? No, 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 it's good. It, it, it's, it's an event, you know, in a year of event records, here is another event record. This is great, this is a good thing. Let us move on uh, to um Kieran's choice. <laughs> That is uh, Maya Hawthorne, her favourite song, Kieran's Joyce. Kieran, tell us about it.
2: Yes, that is Maya Hawthorne, and this is taken from um, the new album, Where Does This Door Go?, which has got... <laughs> Great name for an album. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who uh, let you in? This <laughs> not, <this laughs> not
3: do- does this door go? Like somebody just wandered into the studio and got lost. Where's this door go? <laughs> that's man, the, oh, the, that's, title, title, that's the title, That's the title. That's the title. That's one of those, again, you know,
1: 4 a.m. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. can't think of anything, but, man. Where does right, this door really go? No, but <laughs> think about Where does the door <laughs> go? <laughs> <laughs> that door? No, man, any door. door. Any door. door. Any door. door um, I think you'll find <laughs> it's
2: very deep and spiritual, I'm guys. sure it is. It could be a
1: farewell to Ray Manzarek. Where did that door go? He just passed away. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry, sorry, I'm just riffing here. It's amazing. amazing. All
2: good, all all gold.
1: I'm the the podcast game John Coltrane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's production credits by people like Pharrell on the album. Uh, And this is a slight departure from um, his last offering. His kind of biggest single was... Um, a long time, which is this really kind of soulful hark back to Motown, whereas this sounds a little bit more electro, even in that This sounds to me like a sort of
1: updated G-funk. Yeah, sound yeah, of yeah. The record. I think it's got sort think a tough, so. toughness, lot more live instrumentation to it, but
3: it's got that kind of sort of lush, but electro-ness of G-funk. But well, it just sounds like, you know, if Justin Timberlake phones in sick, there's this. I mean, this is this <laughs> exactly what Justin Timberlake has done, which is kind of like this updated Yep. Sound of '70s soul, but with like tougher drums. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know whether he was working on this before Justin Timberlake came back. But if I was him, and then I heard 2020 Experience, I'd be quite annoyed. It's it's, it's doing. It's got exactly that same kind of. It's hitting that same retro spot. Interesting. thing.
2: I don't know. I think he does it better though, because I've heard the old, the whole album, and uh, I do, I think that. In the way that Justin might talk about referencing someone like Smokey Robinson, he does really pull it apart, apart and makes it sound a little more kind of high gloss. Whereas I think that there are elements of this that are a little bit more like truly soulful. Uh, and it does seem a little bit more almost grassrootsy, even though we know it's not. Interesting.
1: That's an interesting idea, because the Justin Timberlake album, I thought that when I listened to Justin Timberlake album, it's all... It's interesting, whenever you see Justin Timberlake live, he's mm. a really good performer, mm. and I don't believe a word of it. And it doesn't matter that I don't believe a word of it. You know what I, mean? I don't yeah, believe yeah, yeah. him. As a, it's that sort of the, the lie about soulfulness or whatever. I don't, yeah, but anyway, completely off the point. Uh, May Hawthorne continue, please?
2: Um, yes, but I think that it does have all of those elements in here, uh, kind of when you listen to... The whole album and he did a, a track recently called designer Trug" with kendrick lamar and i think that that was a, a really good insight into how you can use rappers like kendrick in this really kind of you know motown kind of old school soul soulfully sound because it made kendrick sound like he was straight out of i don't know like soul sea or you know soul train or whatever Mm. you know and uh i think that he i think mayhul's got a really good ear for that and really kind of transporting you to a different musical place do you think that
3: there is something behind this um this current sort of 70s worship and you listen to the the illuminati that's what i think's behind (laughs) you (laughs) Well, um, no, it's interesting. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, you know the Justin Timberlake album. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Daft Punk album in its own way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of kind of real bass chops going on yeah, on I these mean, it, records, it, 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 and it's it's,
1: it's, a, it's an interesting idea. And I think it has to do with trying to differentiate your you know, trying to
3: put some clear blue because it's
1: it's the, the point that Daft but Punk. It's not just working. trying to
3: differentiate. I don't think it's about just trying to differentiate itself. I think they're responding to something in that music. It's not simply like oh, I want to sound different. I need a USP. I think it is actually. Uh, You know Being almost sort of Repelled Yeah By the certain The more kind of EDM Style thing And I think it's been repelled
1: By the If you make records
3: For a living I get
1: this impression Talking to people And we're, we're about to move on To talk about somebody else That I've talked to About this at the moment I get the impression Actually making a record On a laptop isn't very much fun, mm. you know what I mean? It's, mm. a, whereas being in a studio, I mean, not in this kind of terrible keep music live way, but being in a studio with proper musicians, you know, you have an idea and musicians play it and it's recorded and is fun.
3: Yeah. Is
1: kind of and it it feels like a, being a craftsman then. but and it, and it like.
3: also puts you in a lineage. Of I think the problem is that you know, the very electronic music has perhaps lost that kind of super excitement of being, you know, futuristic. Mm. Because everybody, everybody's doing that. And so what seems more exotic, which is, I think, where, say, Daft Punk's thing about going back to go forward makes sense, is connecting to that, that sort of 70s aspiration of kind of real prose and sort of music that's sort of luxurious and soulful. And, th- and it, can go, it can go obviously badly wrong um, if you just take them as these sort of like emblems of authenticity and realness or whatever. But seeing like the roots on Fallon and the role that they play, mm. people are genuinely excited. Like musicianship. Yeah. They can do that. They can improvise stuff. You know, people are kind of, you know, it seems particularly in, in urban music that there's this kind of new fascination with with that real sense of be, of, sort of musical prose and that 70s Soul was a kind of well, Halcyon era.
1: Well, which we absolutely uh, which, was, and Which totally of, was, you know. yeah. Um, it's interesting. All I remember seeing this is quite a few years ago. Jay Z did a VH1 of all people to do it. Did a sort of a, like an unplugged thing or a storyteller's thing on VH1, and he did it with the Roots as his backing band, back, mm. and it was wicked. It was really really because you know you get that sort of thing with live hip hop and you like a drummer playing the band and it never mm. really feels right, never really works. That worked really really well.
2: I think it's wanting to bring that human element back, isn't mm. it? And it's quite an easy way to do that. Yeah. It's the way of uh, of like you say of kind of looking back to a time where you feel like you were kind of dominating a sound and kind of reproducing it in a way that doesn't make you feel completely obsolete immediately as soon as the technology moves on
3: i think for a lot of these artists as well it's in their kind of upbringing mm-hmm. The or the older artists might be theirs, or whether the younger ones, it might be their parents. This sort of sense that these were the totems mm. that you, if you go to Smokey Robinson and Stevie Wonder and these mm. kind of things, there's there's a sense that they're like these these foundations of urban music and an understanding, and, you, and a sense of sort of showing your your heritage. Right. Anyway, well, look, that's, a, that's a, what a what a
1: long and thoughtful, thought-provoking discussion. Her favourite song by Maya Hawthorne. Is that is that the single, uh, Kieran, that's coming off the album. Yes. Finally, let's move on to my choice. That's my choice of singles club uh, this week. That's nothing else by these new puritans taken. Their forthcoming third album. I I, I just... Love this record, I think it's an amazing, I prefer it to the Last of These New Puritans record, because, you know, the Last of These New Puritans record was an album that, uh, if you haven't heard it, it's got a lot of very, very intense sort of drumming, attack kind of drumming on it, it's all this Japanese percussion and stuff like that, and, um, and I admired it, and it didn't, but it didn't, it's not something, you know, what am I going to put with this, we want war on, you know, to me, at home, I, I, it didn't really have a role. When you want war. When I want war, I don't want war, yeah. who wants war, what is it good for? <laughs> um, <laughs> this I put it on And I didn't really know what to expect And it's just an amazing record It's beautiful sort of mysterious Serpentine kind of uh, Record that doesn't really sound like anything else It sounds a little bit I suppose Like the last Talk Talk album Like Laughing Stop by Talk Talk There's sort of elements of that in it But it doesn't really sound that much
3: like that No mm-hmm. it's the nearest reference point that I could find But only because of how far it is From rock Yep. In fact, the, you know, obviously the way he uses his voice, the sort of particular influences he has, mm. that he's more into kind of um, classical music, whereas I think Mark Hollis had more of a jazz Absolutely. Absolute leaning. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like that, but it is, as a kind of index of his And also in the sense of it, you of put it on and it creates
1: a sort of stillness in the room and a space in the room and a kind of... Like a breeze almost blowing through the red, which is an amazing thing to do it's It's like time stops for me when it's yeah, records
2: really play. slows everything down really
1: slows everything down and that's despite mm-hmm. the fact that some relatively up tempo sort of stuff on there there's also a lot of kind of silences, and it somehow manages to do something that's kind of incredible and kind of simple in that it's got all this sort of esoteric influences on it it's got these weird instruments it's got like tiny nipple gongs and and some the, I interviewed the fellow from these new Puritans uh, earlier this week. He's a he's a serious man. He's a very serious man, isn't he? He's a very serious guy, and, and and um, I mean, he, not a not a, a di- not a difficult man in a sort of unpleasant way, but just kind of seemed to be at a loss to
3: explain himself. Really, it was it was um. Oh was, right, I interviewed him for the last album, and he was maybe he'd warmed up more by the time I, I sort of got to him. Yeah, hard sometimes. It was very early in the campaign, but he just seemed so estranged from from. Anything else that was going on, yes. in like, you know, sort of indie rock, considering that the, technically they kind of came up in that scene and supported. Oh, there's
1: no, there's all this stuff that people go, oh, and yeah, the first album and it was all influenced by hip hop and all that kind of thing. Ultimately, the first album sounds like is a post punk revival,
3: It's a post punk record. record, yeah, with interesting sort of influences, but they were still playing in that world. And he said he'd seen the Subways at a festival once, and he was just like, I, I just didn't understand what they were doing. He so says, I thought it was hilarious, <laughs> because I don't know whether they meant to be hilarious, but, but like, he just had sort of no understanding of why you would get up and just do a simple guitar-based drums record, um, and he's and he's from a he's from a fairly ordinary Essex background. I so I you know where do where you get your music?
1: And, where have you got your music yeah. taste from? Because the, the, the names he dropped in the interview were some uh, free jazz trumpeter I've never heard of. I had to look up on Wikipedia. Uh, Steely Dan some field recordings made by the composer who'd done Africa Sanctus, I think, like a David somebody, I can't remember what his name is, of it's sort of like Polynesian ritual singing or something like that. And, you know, he's a young bloke as well. I mean, it's not... It's not. So he, he, a, and he, I was like, oh, where did you get all this?
3: Didn't. Well, no, he explained it to me and I said, well, how do you get into this stuff? And he went, oh, well, you know, you, you listen to Radiohead and then you get into Stockhausen and then you get into something else. Just like, it's just easy. You just follow these leads. And, of course, most people who listen to Radiohead don't go, I must check out Stockhausen. No. But it just, it's just it's, it's a thrilling... He's a kind of product of this sort of internet age of musical discovery mm. done in the best possible way, where you start with a fairly recognisable band, and then you just go further and further and further out until you've kind of left the centre behind, and all you've got is this exciting stuff on the fringes. Mm. I mean, I, I've never come across a musician, like, of this generation... That, that sort of thinks about music in that way and is as daring no, as these absolutely. last two albums.
1: It's a really interesting idea because they seem to exist in a space now somewhere between kind of modern classical composition and.
3: Which is. All, these are all awful
1: things and they all sound, it's sound incredibly pretentious. It's, sort of, it's a bit like modern class, it's a rock band with modern class. Um, but. This album, the amazing thing about it is, on one level, it should be this deeply pretentious record. But why and is it, it's not. But at why, all. Is it
3: pretend, why, why would it be pretentious to be interested in one classical music? It's just other music. I suppose it's just. The it's results. just a stig, there's a stigma around there's a it. Stigma it but there results, be. There's a stigma around it because the results of bands doing that normally are just awful. I don't know, though. No, no not with modern classical music. I mean, you know, just think of Johnny Greenwood's scores. And I think there's, that can actually be a really productive area. It's more that when you just do the kind of. The orchestral bam bam yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it gets a bit kind of corny
1: but I think the, the way it sort of sees you through all that this album it's just got really good tunes on it it's just got one sort of incredibly luscious sort of beautiful tune after another um anyway uh, Kieran <laughs> yeah uh,
2: yeah I liked it I liked uh, all of all of that stuff it will come out. <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> no I like the I like the way he used uh, the vocals as a real instrument and it's so instrumentally rich that it's quite thrilling kind of listening and trying to pick out everything pick out those horns and you know a piano line and um, strings and all of that kind of thing um, and the way that there is a really slow narrative uh, kind of listen to it in a few settings I think it kind of lends itself to something different each time because it really forces you to kind of slow down and reflect a little bit. No, I don't... Definitely I, I, worth a listen. Yeah, yeah, I f- cool. on
3: first listen to the album, I just thought I'm not going to be able to really get this f- for ages. Mm. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to listen to this a lot because yeah. it's, got, it's got this brilliant sense of, of mystery mm-hmm. that you could just sort of dive into it and spend a long time. Like, you know, say Joanna Newsom's East
0: Yeah.
3: or whatever, where the first listen is just... You're barely scratching the surface.
1: Yeah. They said, I said, oh, you know, how are you going to do this live? And I said, it's very, you know, and he said, oh, no, we're going to, I said, are you obviously doing seated venues? Because, you know, he goes, oh, no, 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 uh, we're playing at Heaven. (laughs) And I actually laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And he just sort of looked at me and was quite hurt. I'm sorry, Matt, I'm not laughing at you. I just think it's quite an odd thing to do to put this music on
3: at an all-standing Nightclub. Because they did the last album at, at the, the Barbican. Barbican, yeah. And it was amazing. It was one of the best shows was.
1: Nothing else but these new Puritans from their forthcoming album, Field of Reads, out on Monday. That is the Singles Club. Now, I have uh, seen the future, or a future for music, and it's bearded. I went to Beardy Man's studio in, uh, in Archway in North London, where the uh, former... Human but well he's still a human beatboxer. Demonstrated his new... You're going to have to go with me on this it sounds boring. He demonstrated some of his new electronic equipment. Uh, what this does is basically enables him to make music just using his voice. Uh, everything, All the music you hear was done live using nothing else other than his voice and three iPads and a keyboard. He didn't have anything preset. He didn't have anything... You know, there's no backing tracks or anything like that. He explained to me anyway about how this 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 software that he's developed or sort of got someone developed for him came about. Um, he he debuted it at the uh, TED TED conference, which is an amazing place, to uh, in front of Sir Bill Clinton, and, and uh, he, said be, he said there were these people that he didn't know would come up to him, oh, and you know, oh no, yeah, great, and it would be like the bloke that owns Google, <laughs> you know, he said it was a very, very odd experience, um, but, but anyway, the first thing you're going to hear is um, him covering the opening of uh, Pink Floyd's Shining You Crazy Diamond, he is just doing this with his voice. <coughs>
6: Well, the Biditron is a piece of equipment consisting of three iPads, two keyboards, a bunch of other things. It's always growing. It's a monster. But essentially, at its core, it's a piece of software which I've had built for me over the last year and a half. I've been designing it for about six years or so. But over the last year and a half, I've had some of the greatest geniuses in the world of audio coding code it from the ground up. And it enables me to do live looping, which is... Kind of like this
5: this 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 this
6: stuff like that but better fuller more fantastic amazing <laughs> yeah I'm deliberately trying to move away from doing songs which people know um, in the sense of covers because i would always do some. Like it's not even, even Prince does cover songs in a set just because it's fun. But um, I mean, I've got an EP of stuff coming out at the moment, which uh, which is cool. And I've been doing that live, which is nice. So it's a kind of a first for me doing music of my own. I mean, I've been writing it since I was five. I've been writing songs. Um, but they, they have never really fitted in with this whole Beardy Man thing that I've been doing, which is more of a kind of Flippant, kind of just a mess about, you know, um a fun one and one that's like uses crazy technology to do it. But it's always just been about fun. And now, now I'd, I'm I'm writing songs which I'm writing songs using this equipment, and so I've started sort of doing them live, and it, they've gone down really well. So that's nice. Right. Uh, well, you can do this. <laughs> I just made my voice into an organ. So there's me sampling it. There it is. That's its original pitch. Now I can assign it to a keyboard. And if I want, I can actually put some more processing on it so it sounds exactly like an organ. There you go. Um, Or I can uh, make my voice sound like a uh, string section or whatever that. Then I can put that through some processing which allows me to go coders have gone mental trying to make it. Um, In particular a guy called Dave Gamble who um, bless him has put every bit of effort he possibly could into um, into this machine and he's made some of the world's best audio processing software. So if you want to make something sound better you will use one of his plugins. They literally are the best in the world. But he put his time and effort and genius into taking my ideas, turning them into code and actually refining some of the ideas so that there's so that they're they're workable, because there's an incredible amount of. I'll tell you what. I can show you some of the some of the more complex things that it can do. It, I, there would be no point in me trying to sort of actually go into detail about how it's doing it, but I can sort of. I can I sort of. <laughs> every possibility that it will alienate people that have come to human beatbox but if you don't take risks as a performer or an artist then what are you doing? I mean I've never particularly been you know overly concerned with a being purist about beatbox like that's never been a thing so uh, I started off as a beatboxer, and when I started doing looping people were like oh well that's pretty cool but a lot of people wanted me to just stick to beatboxing because that's what they're really into but I knew that looping could be something really cool and then after a while that's what I became you know equally as known for for people that were coming to see me and uh, then I decided that I actually wanted to be known for taking requests from people and um, having that be what I was about and having people to kind of suggest things so I became known for that um, and then you know the whole time all I've ever wanted to do is have this system which I have now everything's been working towards this point. So now I can still do those shows where I'm taking suggestions from the audience and it's very interactive and it's fun and I'm sort of more just kind of corralling the sort of the fun and you know letting people interact with each, with each other and letting everyone's ideas make the music and make the party and make the fun and it's just a brilliant laugh. So it's a kind of comedy show that where the ideas come from everyone. It's a wicked laugh. I'm doing that at the Brighton Festival and I'm doing that uh, at the Edinburgh Festival as well. So I'm still doing that but at the same time I've kind of made this as a composition tool as well because it enables me to, like it's complex enough it enables me to make proper songs
1: That was Beardy Man presenting his robotic alter ego, the Beardytron Five Hundred. That's it for this week. Thanks very much to Dorian as ever for coming in. Thank you. Thanks. Go to guardian.co.uk/forward/slash/musicweekly for more info on the show and links, of course, to the singles club tracks. Uh, Kira and I will be back next week. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. No. Yes. 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 Like, are you look like you're
1: considering it. You look like you're mm. maybe. I'll see what else in my diary. <laughs> It's adding a bit of suspense. That's to the end of the program. We'll hear and come back next week. We shall see. We'll leave you with the rest of of, of a track that Beardy Man recorded, uh, especially for us. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.